Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Florida Prospect Report, episode 30. I'm your co-host, Bailey, here with my co-host, Eric. Eric, happy Sunday. How are you doing? Doing great. Nice to talk to you again. Uh, we've had a very busy month watching games, going to camps, so uh, it feels like back to our normal routine to, to get together and talk baseball and talk prospects. How are you? Yeah, yeah. thank you. I'm great, too. Uh, doing really well. And yeah, it was a super busy month between uh, school and baseball. Just was finding, uh, it was trouble finding time to uh, sit down and record one of these. So glad to be back at it. And uh, yeah, it, since our last episode, I've been to 13 spring training games and one college game. Uh, so plenty to talk about. And with AAA starting already, uh, MLB opening day already happening, and the uh, rest of the minor league starting this Thursday, I figure uh, we might as well, you know, reintroduce ourselves to the listeners. So, Eric, why don't you uh, do that for us? Yeah. Hi, uh, I'm Eric Garfield. This is Bailey Srebnik. We're two uh, baseball fans that watch a lot in uh, Florida, especially. Bailey's from uh, the East Coast of Florida. I live currently on the West Coast. We've always like been united by the fact that we enjoy prospects, uh, watch them, love to watch them develop and get better at baseball. And we think of ourselves as two nice guys, two supportive guys. So we became friends on social media first. And then in real life, it was kind of like a natural progression. And, uh, you know, that's that's how we are. So we also love and uh, support other podcasts that are kind of uh, like us. I have one called Utah Street South. There's another Orioles one that we love called the Warehouse Podcast. They just did their uh, season preview a couple days ago. We're also close with the Pirates organization, and we both like uh, a lot of Pirates podcasts, too. I listen to Bucks in the Basement, North Shore Nine. They have one called Two and a Half Gringos that's very prospect uh, specific prospect focus. I'll actually be on that show this week, and I look forward to like virtually meeting and discussing with those guys. So, you know, those are the kind of groups, podcasts, or like, you know, audiences that we support, and we're happy to like be a part of. So that's our brief reintroduction, and uh, that's who we are. So uh, let's move past that and start talking about actual baseball. So you went, you went to a lot of spring training games. Why don't you like share some of the highlights? I was, you know, there, there, there's a lot of them. Yeah. So, well, first off, definitely a vouch for those, uh, those podcasts, uh, check them out. And yeah, you know, um, we, um, we also have a, a Twitter account, FL prospect pod, um, where when we go to games, we try to, uh, take videos of them because a lot of games we go to are not televised, whether on, MLB TV or MILB TV, uh, so you can see all the videos there. Um, we're also trying to uh, branch out to other social media, so we have TikTok and Instagram in the works. Um, but yeah, so I've been to a lot of spring training games, uh, and there's a lot to talk about. We were talking before the show, what's the best way to hit on all these games without talking for two hours? So uh, I'll just, I guess, try to talk about like maybe one main highlight from each game to just try to keep it pretty quick. Um, but March 1st, I went to Phillies at Twins. That was Andy Painter's spring training debut. Very unfortunate news for him that he uh, has an elbow injury. Um, you know, I don't, they say he was going to be back quicker than expected, at least in terms of like an elbow injury, but 
I'm not holding my breath on that, but he's a really exciting player and he looked exciting at that game. So that was cool. Uh, then the Saturday of that week, March 4th, you and I and my dad were in Sarasota for Braves versus Orioles. Uh, we met Michael Harris, the rookie of the year, saw our boy Kobe Mayo. I met Grayson Rodriguez, Connor Norby. Really fun time. Uh, the Orioles didn't pull out the win, but it was an extremely exciting uh, back and forth. Uh, Spencer Strider, this year's NL Cy Young, uh, pitched three excellent innings, uh, and Harris hit a bomb. Uh, March 7th, I saw Mets versus Astros. I met Brett Beatty, Mark Canna, uh, Kevin Prada, who I also saw with the St. Lucie Mets. Uh, the next game was March 11th. Uh, Rays versus Marlins. Greg Jones broke a bat and then gave it to me after the game. That was pretty cool. Uh, I met Luke Rayleigh, who may not be as big of a name as some of the other players I'm mentioning, but he had himself an incredible spring, made the Rays opening day roster, already has an RBI single under his belt this season. So I think he's in for a really good year. Um, and Josh Lowe hit a home run at the game. Jesus Sanchez had a really good game. Next day is, was my birthday, March 12th. I saw the Nationals versus Cardinals. Uh, met up with Tink Hens and Josh, uh, excuse me, Jordan Walker. Um, two former Palm Beach Cardinals who are just doing really well. Walker obviously made the Cardinals opening day roster and has looked quite good in the opening weekend. Um, and Tink Hens actually pitched in that game on my birthday, so that was a nice present. Um, my next game was March 15th. Uh, it was Rays versus Red Sox. I had a really funny interaction with uh, Chris Sale. So it was really early in the morning. It was cold out. Basically no fans on the practice field. Sale walks by me. and I'm like, uh, Mr. Sale, do you think you have time for a quick picture, please? And he's like, you're wearing the wrong shirt. And I was wearing my Rays shirt. And another fan wearing a Chris Sale shirt was like, how about me, Chris? Is this a better shirt? And Chris goes, that's the worst shirt you could wear. Uh, really funny. And since it was cold out, I had my FGCU hoodie on under my Ray shirt. So I take off the Ray shirt. Chris finishes warming up. He's walking past us again. I'm like, Chris, I changed shirts. I got my FGCU one on. Is this better? He's like, I respect that. Came right over for a selfie. So that was really cool. Um, you know, one of the uh, best players for the Red Sox in uh, recent memory on uh, FGCU alumni. Uh, so he respected the shirt. Uh, that same day, I also met Mason Auer. And got a good picture with Miguel Blaise, uh, who we are fans of on this show. Also got Marcelo Myers autograph. Um, my next game was an Orioles game, March 17th, with my dad uh, back at Hammond in Fort Myers. A uh, lot, of, lot of things to talk about from that game. I'll try to make it quick. Uh, Gunnar Henderson must have signed a million autographs at that game. I swear, every time I was looking at him pregame, he was signing, whether it was at the batting cages, by the dugout, by first base. Like, he's just – he really takes his time for the fans, and I have a lot of respect for that. Uh, Taron Vavar was cool. I met him for the first time at that game. Uh, Jordan Westberg, Das Cameron, and Colton Kowser hit back-to-back-to-back home runs, and Kowser's went over the batter's eye. Um, it was insane. Like, he just absolutely crushed it. Uh, Dylan Beavers got in the game, which was pretty cool, and I got his autograph after the game. Um, not a spring training game, but I saw Emmanuel Rodriguez, one of the Twins' top prospects, at an autograph signing on March 19th, so that was kind of cool. Um, my next game, though, was the following day, March 20th, Pirates versus Red Sox. Um, I saw Luis Ortiz make, I want to say, his last start of the spring. It was a little shaky. He did strike out Rafael Devers. I'm still firmly in the Luis Ortiz camp. I think he can have 
a Spencer Strider-esque season this year if he can just fine-tune his command in AAA. Um, but the only other, I guess, main thing from that Pirates game is I saw Travis Swaggerty, uh, one of my favorite Bradenton Marauders, and he remembered me, which was a really cool interaction. Um, next game, March 22nd, uh, or excuse me, March 21st, uh, was the following day. It was Twins versus Rays. I met Junior Caminero, Carlos Comenares, Carlos, uh, excuse me, Carson Williams, rattling off so many names. Um, and uh, Royce Lewis uh, was really nice, as always. I saw him before the game. Uh, Carlos Correa hit a home run, Buxton hit a double, and Luke Rayley hit his fifth home run of the spring as he solidified himself for that uh, roster spot. And I saw Pete Fairbanks pitch a perfect inning, which was not expected. Uh, expected he'd pitch a perfect inning, was not expecting him to even be there. Um, my next game was Twins versus Red Sox with my girlfriend, Jenna. Shout out to her. Uh, Trevor Larnick had a really good game that day, going four for four with a home run and a double. Jose Miranda hit a home run as well. Joe Ryan pitched five scoreless innings, so that was a fun time with her. Uh, the next game was March 24th. Uh, it was the Braves came to town. I hope I'm going kind of quick rattling through these highlights. Uh, Braves versus Red Sox. That was crazy because the Braves brought all of their premier guys except Michael Harris because he was scratched with an injury. I met all of them except Acuna. So I met Riley, Murphy, Olsen, Albies, and um, Dylan Dodd. What'd you say? Dylan Dodd. Dylan Dodd. Yeah, I got a post game autograph and selfie with Dylan Dodd, who is who made the opening day rotation. One guy I missed was Acuna, and he did sign autographs. I just was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but hard to dwell on that when I met everyone else. And that was definitely the most exciting spring training game I've ever been to. Uh, 33 hits, 11 walks, 17 runs, nine lead changes. Red Sox won 9-8 on a two-run walk-off home run by Tristan Cassis. So there was just everything in that game. Um, next game was the following day, uh, Pi Pirates versus Orioles. You and I were there. My dad was there. Uh, our friend of the show, Josh Kramer was there. Shout out to him. Another friend of the show, Greg Rosendahl was there. Shout out to him. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was a fun time. Uh, met Kanan Smith and Dave David Bedner and Tyler Wells. Um, I got two baseballs. We got to see O'Neill Cruz, uh, get some hits and Jordan Westbrook get three RBIs. So that was fun. Yeah. Bailey almost fell onto the field and had to get a Band-Aid for his knee chasing. Yeah, in batting practice, there was a ball hit near us. A, a coach picked it up and threw it to me. Completely underthrew me. I tried reaching over the fence to catch it, and I scraped my knee because the fence was, was actually concrete and not a fence. So that was uh, not the best. But uh, two games left here to touch upon. Uh, firstly, my last spring training game of the year, which was arguably my favorite. Uh, I saw Pablo Lopez before the game. He remembered me from, you know, when he was a pitcher for the uh, Marlins. So that was cool. I met Q. Brian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, a uh, uh, friend of the show, Braylon Bishop and Pirates outfield prospect. Uh, and then I got O'Neill Cruz's autograph, which was so awesome because I've been trying to do that since 2019 and finally succeeded uh, earlier this week. So I'm still hyped about that. I have the, the magazine that he signed on my desk right there. Also got Andrew McCutcheon's autograph, which is wow. uh, super sick because, you know, one of the best to ever do it, at least yeah. in terms of Pirates. Um, I got a toss-up from Jack Sawinski. And O'Neill Cruz hit a double in the game. Joe Ryan pitched again three and a third scoreless. I saw Joe Ryan throw eight and a third scoreless innings uh, this spring, so almost a full shutout. And speaking of which, uh, 
I saw all the twin starters pitch this spring except Pablo, and I've seen Pablo pitch a bunch of times for the Marlins. So I saw Ryan, I, like I just said, Bailey Over, who was optioned in AAA. I saw him pitch three scoreless. He looked really good. I saw Maeda, I saw Mally, and I saw Sonny Gray. So I saw all of them. Um, and the last game, I guess, to quickly talk about uh, would be uh, last uh, yesterday. I was with my dad uh, on campus for FTCU Eagles versus the uh, Jacksonville University Dolphins. We mercy ruled him in seven innings, 14 to four. Uh, Edric Felix had a three for three game with two home runs and a double. And then home runs as well by A-Rod, Alejandro Rodriguez, and Jacob Lajewski. Um, And they also both had three hit games as well. So it was a really fun time. Uh, there's a reason we are the 16th ranked baseball team in the country right now. Ahead of wow. Miami, ahead of FSU. Oh, so, wow. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to more games, uh, FGCU variety uh, this year. Um, I know for sure I'm going to see them in Boca uh, in May but I'll definitely be seeing some more in Fort Myers before the end of the semester. So uh, that was my little soapbox of recapping uh, all the spring training games I went to. There's, I bet there's a bunch of more details I could have uh, included, but those are the highlights. So uh, tossing it back to you, <laughs> uh, how, was, how was your spring training? Uh, what, were, what were some of the highlights? Uh, my March was spent going to a couple games with you, uh, a couple games with some of my, uh, other friends, but the majority of the days were at either Orioles minor league camp, watching the exhibition games or Pirates minor league camp, watching the exhibition games. And for people like you and I, and, uh, some of the people that we're close with watching those games, seeing how the teams are divided, seeing how the players look and move really gives us a lot of information for uh for this year but as anyone who's just listened to the last couple minutes can can tell uh me going to the practices you going to the games like this is our busy season when people talk about opening day being you know april 1st or march 30th we've been watching baseball hardcore like every day for for eight weeks so it's 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 a a little bit a little bit different uh for for you and i but you know, it's just because our perspective is unique doesn't mean it's any like less fun or enjoyable. We obviously are choosing to do this because we uh, we love it. Uh, I would like if 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 you're able to while I'm talking over the next couple minutes for you to like tabulate. I know you posted it the other day. How many total autographs and souvenirs you were able to get in March? I know I got uh, a, a bunch, a ton, uh, broken bats, baseballs, baseball cards, and in fact. You and I, we haven't even discussed this, but uh, like with this episode, we're going to start giving some of the some of the stuff uh, away. I know that Jackson Holiday, the Orioles prospect, he hit a, a baseball out in batting practice. I went and got it. I got it autographed by him, and that's going to be like 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 the first item. But um, I'm trying to think of like the best or the coolest one. I know I got. The last day when the Orioles broke camp and, and 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 flew to their affiliates, I had asked a couple guys, like, if you break a bat, let me get it at the beginning. And nobody that I asked did, but the Orioles corner prospect, Anderson De Los Santos, he gave me one of his bats and he even signed it. I've never had a signed bat before. So oh, that's, that's awesome. like right, that's like that's my guy. I really root for him. So like that's the only one in my in my collection. So uh March was a lot of fun for me too. Uh, we got enough information to fill up like 
several several episodes but we're gonna <laughs> hit on the uh on the big things did you get your autograph count yet by the way yeah so uh Here. well in terms of the best it would have been acuna or devers if i didn't completely mess both of those up with wrong place wrong time but can't dwell on that because i think the uh i would say my best autograph was either matt olsen or o'neill cruz um also had selfies with chris sale and pedro martinez but the actual totals. So I went to 16 games in 32 days. So that's one game every other day. Uh, six different ballparks, 119 selfies, 48 autographs, 11 baseballs thrown to me or foul balls or batting practice home runs and then one broken bat. So just crazy. And um, real quick, I just want to give a, a shout out to my dad uh, for, you know, driving over here a couple of times to take me to games and, uh, taking me to games back when I was on my coast for spring break. Uh, no one else said rather go to baseball games with always have a really good time with him. He was here yesterday. He drove over to go to the FGCU game with me. So uh, love you. And we got to get you on an episode soon. Uh, we were supposed to be on uh, over spring break, but I was, I just was busy and wasn't able to do it. So one of our uh, next episodes will feature my dad and we'll have some exciting baseball conversations, but just want to give a shout out to him. Uh, but Throw it back to you, Eric, so you can continue your spring training talk. Obviously, Toby is an A-plus baseball dad, or else Bailey wouldn't be, like, an A-plus baseball dude. So I agree with that, and every single person listening is mandated to also feel the same way. Uh, I guess, like, like we're a show, and it's, it's like our job, our niche, to tell you about uh, prospects, like, before they blow up or before people uh, – uh, know about them uh so i guess uh like one of them that i really feel very strongly about is a guy that prospect people talk about and they say he's good and they cite his good qualities but you know i watch this player play every single day and i do not feel that they're getting enough uh publicity for their skill and what i feel like uh they're about to become it used to be Gunnar Henderson. It used to be Heston Kerstad. But now those guys are like, they're in the mainstream. Everybody knows about them. This is uh, Aberdeen infielder Freddie Ben Cosme, who I really, truly feel, you know, I'm, I, I like this guy. I've always liked him. I work for an agent company that used to even represent him. So I know him extremely well. But this guy is more than consensus says he is right now. And he, he showed it, really, every single day, every single at-bat. I just love his bat-to-ball skills. I love his ability to walk into the box and take away the who's controlling the matchup from the pitcher. That really is his best quality. He is in charge. He's like the MC when he's uh, at the box. He loves going first pitch. He loves to attack early in the count. He's lefty, but he goes opposite, so he prefers to to go to the right field power alley. So uh, Ben Cosme is a guy that I'm really just, you know, I don't see a 300 hitter. I see like a 330 or a 340 hitter, like those type, right. So many, so many good games, and he's uh, getting better as a fielder. You know, his defense isn't at the same level of his offense, but this is a guy who the Orioles gave a very specific list of things to do in the offseason. Improve your body this way improved your game this way and he exceed exceeded both he really is already a leader and one thing that I, I i i always try to observe 
when I'm watching these guys day in and day out go from BP to practice routine to the games is how does your personality affect like how you play? And Freddie is kind of like a normal guy. He's talk, he likes to talk and he's a chatter guy, but he just has that little bit of craziness that when adversity comes, he just looks right past it. You know, I, I might not be using the right word, but it's hard for situations to keep him down. He's able to just get past, even if he was 0 for 5 and struck out five times, he'd forget it by the time he gets into the locker room. And that's a skill that uh, players need and they don't necessarily have. So, you know, that's like, that's our thing to introduce these guys. He's one player on the Orioles. You know, I know uh, all of them really, but um, I feel very strongly that he's going to have an excellent year. Uh, his slumps are going to be minimal. And at the end, his stats are going to be great. And it would not surprise me if this $10,000 signee ended the year at, uh, at double A. Yeah. I've, Completely vouch. Um, I I'm really uh, excited about Ben Cosme too, and I think you're, you're definitely the uh, the cause of that. I I know I have him in at least three or four of my dynasty leagues because you you told me about him before uh, he was even like a mainstream name. So I think he's he's definitely gonna go like that that gunner route. Maybe not the uh, quite top overall prospect, but in in the sense you're like. Uh, you know, we were talking about him when he was like in like the 250 range and then the next season he's a top 100 guy. Um, but okay. sticking on the uh, the topic of Orioles, there were some uh, controversial moves uh, when it came to the open day roster. So uh, we wanted to highlight them. Um, you know, I guess the, the, the big three were uh, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall and Jordan Westberg being left out of the, uh, uh, the trip to Boston, all being sent to AAA instead. Um the most controversial is obviously Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, back in February, Mike Elias basically said uh, he expects Rodriguez to make the roster. Rodriguez had a shaky spring and then did not make the roster. Um, my opinion is uh, I think both sides can be right that uh, he didn't pitch well, so that's why he was left off. Or this is service time manipulation. He'll be back up when he's first eligible for Super 2. Um, I think both takes could be correct. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think I lean more just to the fact of he wasn't polished, so why throw him into uh, the fire when he's not ready to go? Uh, I could see the counter argument of a not ready to go Grayson Rodriguez is still better than Tyler Wells. So it you know, but he pitched yesterday in or two days ago in Durham and wasn't great. And like once again. The, uh, the metrics, you know, on StatCast of his outing were good. He's an elite pitcher. He just needs to fine-tune. So I have no issue with pitching him in AAA. I have more of an issue with having Ryan McKenna in the outfield. And I would have said that before what happened yesterday. Um, I don't think he did enough uh, with the bat to warrant uh, being the last outfielder on the roster. I would have rather Franchi Cordero. Uh, make the roster over McKenna. I'm sure he would have made the catch uh, last night. Um, but I actually think the most egregious uh, roster move. Sorry to McKenna. Nice guy. I like him. I just did not. I don't. I don't like him in left field in Fenway. Uh, but uh, I think the most egregious move is actually Jordan Westberg. I think he did more than enough uh, to make the opening day roster. I think the only reason he didn't is because we're giving Adam Frazier eight million dollars. And 
ultimately, I think you need to start the best guys. And if that's the case, Frazier would be in AAA and Westberg in the majors. I understand because of Frazier's contract, that's not how it works. But I think it's a disservice that a guy like Westberg, who could legitimately win Rookie of the Year over a guy like Gunner, um, which is not a knock on Gunner. I would still pick Gunner over Westberg. But I'm just highlighting Westberg is that good that he should have been on the open day roster. And I think we'll see him by the end of April. Um, and then with D.L. Hall, once again, I have no issue sending him to AAA. If they want to use him as a starter, there's really no reason to keep using him as a reliever in the major leagues, even though he would be effective. Um, so that's fine by me. And yeah, ultimately, you know, would have liked to see Kowser over McKenna um, as well. Um, once it, you know, so uh, I don't, I don't love some of the decisions. I'm fine with Grayson, not fine with Westberg, but that's my take. I think you feel similar, similarly, but uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I, we, we are aligned, even though we really haven't like talked about it very much. I do feel the exact same way. Uh, player to player, Grayson, DL, and uh, especially Westberg. If I was on the Orioles, uh, if I was an executive. And we were voting on which players to put up and why. Uh, I would ignore Jordan Westberg's uh, strikeout to walk numbers for the spring. They're not crucial to me. They're just they're they're outs. They were not rally killing outs or team hurting outs. So it doesn't matter. And he made up for it with his play, with his defensive play. The game we were at in Pittsburgh, he made a great play over the third baseline. He stopped the ball. He ended up in foul territory. He got up so fast, like bursted up off the ground. He was directly shoulder aligned to first base and made a chest high throw. It looked like Brooks Robinson. I was like, right then, I was like, you know what? Let's stop messing around. This guy's a major leaguer. And some of the Orioles' brain trust feel differently. And perhaps Ryan McKenna is on the Orioles right now because they feel differently, which would me, you know, it's would be kind of a mistake. But back to, back to Grayson, the number one starter. I coach basketball in the uh, baseball offseason, and this year we had one great shooter, a senior. He's going to college. He's an outstanding uh, shooter. 17 feet away, 24 feet away, 30 feet away. It's the same shot. He's an amazing shooter. But he had like a three- or four-game stretch where he wasn't hurt. They just were not falling. And the way to get him back, to get his shot back, was practice. Every practice he would do like 100 shots then move to another th spot on the three-point line, 100 more. Just reps and reps and reps. So what the Orioles are trying to do, they're trying to get Grayson shot back with some AAA reps. It's not where he needs to be right now. So, there, you know, even the most biased prospect fan, which we probably thought we, we were, would, would say the dude is just not ready right now. So why utilize him when he's still getting back into form? So uh, Grayson, I feel like he's going to do fine at AAA. He actually had a start where he did less than good, but his strikes to overall pitches ratio was slightly better. His strikeout rate was uh, commensurate with where it usually is. Like you said, his metrics are fine. So by May, he'll be on the Orioles and he'll be doing uh, very well. I have, uh, I have absolutely... Uh, no, no doubt about that. Uh, DL Hall, similar situation, not exactly the same. I can't tell from what we've observed and I've observed that they want him to start or be in the pen. But he did come in that Pirates game where you and I were at together. 
He had an awesome inning. Uh, it wasn't quick and efficient, but you got to see his stuff and you got to see where he is. For right now, he's not ready to take on major league hitters two or three times a week, but his stuff is getting there and he should be there at some point in the season, whether a starter or uh, or whether a reliever. So those are like the minors to the majors transitions that are happening oddly or or haven't happened. There was another one that really caught my eye and really surprised me. I watched the teams, the Aberdeen group, the Delmarva group every single day, like uh, a fan following a rock, rock, a band. Like I was with them wherever they went in February and March. Infield prospect Michael Hernandez was one of the best players on Delmarva. Extremely consistent, extremely improved from last year. Better shape, stronger shoulders. Definitely better metrics. The ball's getting through the infield. He's hitting it 100 miles an hour. Played second, played third, nearly flawless with the footwork. And when the Delmarva rosters came out yesterday, he was not on it. I was absolutely shocked. And I'm not, I'm looking at the offensive players, the position players that made it. And I don't, I, I don't know that any of them deserve to not make it. Maybe a pitcher or two, but I was just shocked that Michael Hernandez, a guy that they've put a lot of resources in uh, into his development so far, is not reaching low A. So uh, those are some of the Orioles like roster coming out transactions or surprises that 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 really stood out to me. I'm, I'm, I really am shocked. I'm going to find out why Michael didn't make it, but I, I really am very, very surprised. Yeah, that was interesting. Um and I know, like, you know, last summer when we saw him in the FCL, uh, there was room for improvement. So it's definitely positive to hear that he did make those improvements. But um, maybe he'll just start extended spring and then he's up in, like, May or something. Maybe maybe there's something we just don't know. But uh, there was another surprise this week, though, in, in the minor league world. This one, a much okay. more pleasant one. Yep. Uh, minor league pay uh, got raised, like, almost double. Um, it was, you know one of like the biggest raises they've ever gotten, if not the biggest raise, uh, thanks to unionization. So uh, I think it's really good that uh, they're doing that. It's, uh, you know, decades too late. This should have been a thing a long time ago, but I'm really happy for all the minor league players out there who are going to get paid a much uh, more sufficient wage. And I think they're still underpaid even with the yep. new collective bargaining agreement that they agreed to this week, but I think it's definitely a step in the right direction. Um, I think it's actually, it was just kind of funny because I did a research project uh, last October about this particular situation with pay and housing and food. And I was like, my, my conclusion was basically like the biggest way to improve the minor leagues uh, would be to just raise the pay. So it was kind of cool that, you know, they actually ended up doing that. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just really happy because this has been, you know, something that's talked about for years. And, you know, when minor league hockey, minor league basketball, they can pay their guys like a, a decent salary, like like in some like, you know, like what teachers make, if not more. And then, you know, minor leaguers are not even paid during spring training for baseball. And, you know, that's, they're just, that's just horrible. They're putting their horrible. body for zero. That's horrible. Right. And they're making like, you know, like not they're basically making nothing. So the fact that, you know, this this week it came out that they uh, are receiving a significant raise is just uh, really positive. And I, I think it's just going to set a chain reaction of good things. Um, and ultimately, 
better baseball players. If you're, you know, meeting the physiological needs of your players, then they're able to focus more on baseball. So I think I think this has been a universally uh, applauded move, and rightfully so. This is this is really good. We need more people like you, more students, more motivated students to look at this, you know, to give a perspective on it. So I'm very, I, I actually didn't know that. We'll talk about it later. I'm glad you did. But look, these are skilled athletes, some of the best in the world, especially for their age tier. The fact that they were getting less than $5,000 for their FCL season, room paid for, food paid for, less than $5,000. Some of them are spraining muscles, breaking bones, giving full effort. It's just, it's just, it's just not fair. So that rate, the FCL rate, went up over 300% from $5,000 for FCL to just under $20,000 for the FCL season, which really is like June to September. So I guess monumental is, is the right word, but you know, we know guys that don't have cars, that don't have money, that do have kids, that do have wives in other countries. So putting your body on the line and, and trying to improve for no pay or low pay is just the, the wrong way to have it structured. So when this came out, you know, it wasn't a huge surprise. We kind of heard like rumblings, but some of the numbers that these players are now going to experience are in line with what they deserve. So uh, you and I and anybody who enjoys the sport should really be very happy about it. I know that as someone who goes to a, so many games, maybe 100 games in a season, and tries very hard to not pay for any of them, I don't feel like I'm, I'm directly supporting them, but I do have a podcast that talks about them and a Twitter page that highlights them and an Instagram account that really only exists to show what they're good at. So I feel like I might not be doing my part with money, but with effort and passion and motivation – you and I are really actually doing a lot. So I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but these some of these people are our friends and they just got a, a, a monumental race. So I'm sorry to keep using that word, but I'm really very, very happy for this population. No, I think monumental is the right word to use. I would say I'm probably, I'm more excited about this collective bargaining agreement than I am about uh, the one that ended the lockout. Uh, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. And you know, obviously that was that was positive too. The MLB players uh, uh, were able to get some good concessions from the owners, and we were able to get the season underway. But I mean, this is just the entire time I've been following the minor leagues. You know, this has just been a thing where they just were not getting paid the way they should. So to get such a significant raise is just a really positive thing. Like I said, we know guys who send money home, don't get to keep any of it, don't get their bills paid. Famous athletes. They get their cell phones shut off like in the middle of the season or get their social media accounts turned off. So these things should not be happening to these people. They're not criminals. They're not uh, unprepared for society. They're not. They're actually nice human beings that have a very unique skill. So, again, you know, we we will I don't I don't know if celebrating is the right word, but we can certainly feel a lot more secure about the people we follow promote and, and 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 brag about that now they're getting a pay rate that is that that is closer to what they deserve it's not exactly there but it's a lot closer and bailey this is a unionless organization 
So nobody is really like bargaining on their behalf. And they still got this immense concession. I think it was the Major League Baseball Player Association that was bargaining on their behalf, if if I'm not mistaken. Um, but you're right. They don't have a – they themselves don't have a seat at the table, if I'm not mistaken. But um, what – so another thought I had was, you know, when they significantly downsized the Major League draft to 20 rounds, a big storyline was, you know, what about the guys from round 21 to 40 who uh, – you know, sometimes do make it like Kevin Kiermaier. Um, you know, you're shutting those guys out of baseball. And then, which is a fair point. And then with, um, you know, having low pay, a guy who is drafted in like round 15, but can't, you know, afford to pay for the cost of living, he might have to retire early because he can't afford to pay for himself, even though he may be an everyday major leaguer if he was just able to, you know, afford food, afford housing. So, you know, these... Point. these improvements are you know gonna they're just it's just gonna give so many div, uh, dividends and um you know unions work um so this is just this is such a good good thing um and then yeah i think there is uh you wanted to uh touch upon some pirates prospects sticking with prospects there's some interesting names you saw down in bradenton i do uh like this time of year when it's just about opening day We've got players coming from around the world, their team's international complexes to the United States to start practicing, doing extended spring training activities, getting ready for the rookie leagues. Uh, I found out in the last couple of days uh, the list of the Orioles players that are coming, some extremely exciting names that I'm not ready to fully publicize yet. But on the Pirates side, uh, I know that there's a couple guys that arrived early and have been competing with their groups already that fans are just going to absolutely go crazy for. The first one is catcher Axio Plaz, right-handed power hitter. He has an uppercut, but his body isn't really that big, so the uppercut is kind of subtle. The ball absolutely flies off his bat. I expect him to be their FCL starting catcher and starting cleanup hitter, Axio Plaz. Follow him on social media. Buy his baseball cards now. He's going to blow up, but not as much as this guy, the shortstop, Jordani De Los Santos. They've got one electric shortstop moving into affiliated ball in Javi Rivas, and Jordani De Los Santos is right behind him. He's tall. He hits it to the wall. He hits it off the wall. He moves uh, laterally so well, so smooth. There's really no part of his defense that needs to be like, fine-tuned he just needs reps and to grow older i'm gonna say that he's tall but he's gonna he's gonna stay at shortstop he's gonna be a 6263 maybe a hair taller shortstop and uh he already has plenty of baseball cards very very outgoing uh very i don't want to say egotistical but he there's not a lot of self-doubt in his game he's extremely confident of his abilities and uh the first time I met him and I introduced myself to him, he told me that he has a younger brother and then there's a younger, younger brother. So he's like the oldest. So he's like leading his infield family into professional baseball. So those two names, I feel like I'd be, I'd be kind of like not hooking the fans up if I forgot. Uh, catcher Axio Plaz and uh, shortstop Jordani De Los Santos. The Pirates have a lot 
of very popular international prospects. I haven't even talked about pitcher uh, Jun Suk Shim. So I have, I, I, I'm pretty confident that their FCL team is going to be exciting and worth following this year. Definitely. I'm super excited to uh, watch them as well. And uh, De Los Santos, not uh, not to be confused with Yeri De Los Santos, Pirates pitcher on the major league roster. So that if they both end up being with the Pirates in the majors down the line, that might be confusing having two uh, Y De Los Santos. But that would be a welcome thing if they both uh, are productive major leaguers. Um, I think the last thing for me is just to get some fantasy baseball talk in here. Um, as always. Um, and, you know, I'm in uh, seven regular dynasty leagues, or I wouldn't say regular, I guess they're pretty unique, but just in terms of like Roto, head to head, that kind of stuff. Um, but the, uh, the one I want to talk about is uh, a home run derby league. Um, I want to say there's like 14 teams and um, the it was a snake draft. You draft six players, Whoever has the most home runs at the end of the year wins the entire pot. So my first round pick was Aaron Judge. Um, I with the first overall pick. First overall, okay, okay. Yeah, of course. And uh, my so every other pick I had was at the turn. So I would just make back to back picks. So my second, third round guys were Arenado and Stanton. My fourth, fifth were Ryan Mountcastle and Jazz Chisholm. And then with the very last pick of the draft, I went with Taylor Ward. So I got to give a shout out to Taylor Ward. Um, super underrated guy. I've tried to get him on every one of my leagues this year. Um, I think he would have had, you know, a significant more amount of home runs last year, if not for the injury. Uh, he is extremely legit, and I'm expecting a breakout year. I think he's going to get some MVP votes, even though he's on the same oh, wow. team. Otani. I don't think he's going to win it, but I think he deserves a lot of recognition. He already has a home run for my team this year. Uh, 30? 30? Uh, 30 home run, uh, at least. Yeah, I could see him hitting 35 if he stays healthy. I think he's really good and super underrated. And um, those six guys uh, have me in first place uh, three games into the season. All of them have already gone yard except for Arenado, and that should just be a matter of time. But uh, one of the guys, Jazz Chisholm, I'm super excited about, uh, superstar. Uh, and, you know, if, if he – and another guy, if he didn't get hurt last year, he would have been flirting with 40 home runs. He was certainly on pace. If he can get the strikeouts in check, he will be one of the best players, if not the best in the league. Um, I don't like that he's in center field. I think that that is uh, extremely poor reflection on the front office. But I think if he moves back to second base and has the season I think he'll have, he'll be the best second baseman in baseball. Ahead of Altuve, ahead of Albies, I think Jazz will separate himself from the pack. And then uh, lastly, Ryan Mountcastle uh, had some of the most unlucky uh, swings last year. I guess not swings, but rather results. Uh, yeah, like, you know, the uh, new wall in Camden was just swallowing a lot of uh, what should have been home runs. And, I mean, he was just – he his he improved in every metric last year um, in, like, exit velocity, everything, and just was not getting results. He actually hit less home runs in 2022 than 2021, despite the better metrics. Um you know, Foolish Baseball uh, highlighted this in one of his videos recently. It's, you know, it's just, um, I, I, you know, the question is, what what's going to give? If, is he just going to be one of those players who underperforms his metrics because of stadium context? Or is he just going to start hitting the ball, uh, you know, the same and just actually get those home runs? I'm hoping for the latter. I'm hoping he hits at least 30 home runs. Um, I have him on, like, 
three or four different teams. I, I really like Mountcastle, and right. I think he's going to walk a little more this year too. So I think, right. you know, having a first baseman who can, you know, get on base a third of the time while hitting, you know, 30 home runs is really valuable. So especially without Mancini on the Orioles. So um, that's my fantasy baseball talk for this episode. I'm sure we'll have plenty more, especially in the dynasty realm as uh, the minor league season uh, for everyone starts on Thursday. Um, it's going to be tricky finding which game to go to this weekend as Passover also starts on Thursday. Uh, so I'm thinking I'm going to try to go opening night, uh, Mighty Muscles versus Blue Jays. I'm hoping Brandon Barriera gets the opening day nod for the Blue Jays. Um, but, you know, we're going to have a busy weekend with the holiday. I think we're going back home for it. Uh, no, I know I am. I just don't know what day I'm leaving. So that's why it's tricky with scheduling. But, but yeah, so that is a uh, baseball-filled episode like usual. Eric, do you have any parting thoughts? No. Uh, well, I guess, yes. The, the minor league season is a few days away. And uh, I can't tell you how much I look forward to doing what we do, attending games, getting highlights, sharing them with fans, talking to players, getting fans' opinions, and some of this stuff like doing it with you uh, and our friends in person. It really is like the best part of my life. And uh, I really, you know, once it gets started, it'll feel like extremely fulfilling. So uh, for everyone that likes and supports us, I hope you feel the same way. And I hope uh, the minor leagues like provide something that you've been waiting for for, for a matter of, of, of months. I know it will for us. Definitely. Yeah. Just the feeling of being back at spring training this month was just so much. It was so much fun. So fulfilling, just felt so right. And yeah. I, I can't wait for that same feeling of minor league baseball. You know, it's been too long. So can't wait to get back at it and do what we do. Um, but for now, that about wraps it up. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, check out Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for videos uh, and conversations, uh, FL Prospect Pod. And uh, stay tuned for future episodes. And peace out.